The MMA Gambling Podcast on the Sports Gambling Podcast Network is presented by WinBet. Get started today and you'll get a risk-free bet of up to $500. Terms and conditions apply. Get the details at wynnbet.com and download the app today. We're also brought to you by Better Than Vegas. Better Than Vegas is your home to free daily video picks from the SGPN crew. It's like YouTube for sports gambling. Make sure to subscribe to our profile at sportsgamblingpodcast.com slash BTV. That's sportsgamblingpodcast.com slash BTV. And finally, we're also brought to you by Riffer. Riffer is your home for mini podcasts from the Sports Gambling Podcast Network. Subscribe to our Riffer channel today at sportsgamblingpodcast.com slash Riffer. That's sportsgamblingpodcast.com slash R-I-F-F-R. And if you're listening to this show today in the Sports Gambling Podcast Network feed, first of all, thank you guys so much for listening. Make sure you stay subscribed to Sports Gambling Podcast Network. But we, the MMA Gambling Podcast, are going to be branching out onto our own feed. You won't be able to get us here forever. So it's a great time to go ahead, look down in those show notes. You will find a link to the Sports Gambling Podcast Network's other feed, the MMA Gambling Podcast Network. And you can click on that. Make sure to subscribe, rate. We really appreciate every single person who does that and every single person who listens to us. So once again, just make sure you're following that because we won't be in this feed forever. Now, enjoy the show. Thank you for letting us into your degenerate ear holes. It's the MMA Gambling Podcast on the Sports Gambling Podcast Network, episode 31. And if you are listening to us on the Sports Gambling Podcast Network feed, um, please stop. Well, I guess you can finish this, ep- finish this episode if you like, but then um, find our feed. There should be links to it in uh, in this uh in the description, I think is the word to look for. The description of this episode, there should be links to it, but it's very simply uh, simple to find MMA Gambling Podcast. Find our dedicated feed. Subscribe to that because pretty soon uh, the mothership feed, they're not going to let us on there anymore, and they're just going to make us go out on their own. They're going to kick us out of the house and make us live in the street our, ourselves. So um, make sure you subscribe to that feed. I got that out of the way because it's the last episode I forgot. So... Um, now that's out of the way, we can pretty much uh, end the show. Pretty much, that's pretty much all I had to say. Um, oh, I'm Jeff Fox. I am the host of this year' podcast. I do have a associate. We've decided he's the associate host and head of production, I believe. But I don't know that, that production part might change because I'm I do all the uploading as of today. So I haven't told him this, but he may be getting his his title stripped from him or at least downgraded. So we'll have to wait and see. So. Um, I'll, I'll introduce him soon, but this is the, my favorite part of the podcast where he's not allowed to talk and it's just me talking. He snickers a bit, but he's not allowed to talk. So, um, like I said, I'm Jeff Fox. I am a editor and writer at sportsgummingpodcast.com. I also run the MMA specific site, mmanifesto.com. I've been doing that for, I, th- I think it's been over a decade. I think probably at least 2010 at this point. Possibly I should probably keep track of these things, but time just goes by too fast. So, um, Make sure you head over there if you like contests and you like winning things and you like gambling. Head over there to uh, scroll down the page a bit and find our UFC 261 Pick'em Contest. You can win 70 bucks worth of sports gear, swag, whatnot. So just uh, go over there, free Pick'em Contest to enter, a bunch of other good stuff on there too. Um, now I will introduce Tim finally. I'm sure he's dying to talk. Uh, it, would, it would be our the associate 
host for sure. His other job title is up in the air at this point. Um, he also is the main host on two podcasts. So this is, uh, he's really, really um, dropping the standards to come on here and just be an associate host. But he's the host of the Top Turtle MMA podcast and the host of the Prelim Picker podcast. He also writes for Sports Gambling Podcast. He also helps out on the MMA-Manifesto.com and writes on there. And he's known as Daniel um, Gumby, damn it, Freeland. <laughs> Thanks for the uh, the long intro. I thought you were going to introduce me a solid, like, two minutes earlier. You pump faked me there pretty hard. Yep, I did. <laughs> now, I'm um, Gumby, damn it. Is that too far ahead of your time, or do you know that reference? Uh, I, I believe it's probably a reference to Gumby, the, the claymation character, I'm assuming. Yeah, it's uh, Eddie Murphy on Saturday Night Live. Uh, played, played Gumby, but that was, like, early 80s, so that's, like... That's like you five even years even before people. I was born. Yeah, six exactly. years before I was yeah. born. Yeah, I would also say it's funny. My nickname's Gumby because obviously uh, it's a jujitsu nickname uh, from training, but it's it's not. I, I don't think I've ever seen an episode of the Claymation Gumby because uh, I think that also was kind of before my time. Yes, it was. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Interesting. Very interesting. So I, but, so I got uh, nothing nothing on Gumby other than now, like, I have some, like, T-shirts that have, like, Gumby on them because of the training partners. Oh, there you go. I'm going to have to get you uh, an um, Gumby, damn it, uh, T-shirt one of these days for some special occasion. We'll just have to wait and see. Maybe you'll win a bet off me at some point, and I'll, I'll owe it to you. But which, which, not which, we, mm. which, which anniversary is the uh, T-shirt anniversary? Yeah, I'm not sure. We just passed <laughs> our, 30, our 30th anniversary. Uh, we just had our 30th episode anniversary, and I totally forgot it. I was a bad, bad husband, and I didn't even mention it until days afterwards. But <laughs> um, we'll have to uh, have to wait. We got 40th coming, and then 50th. So um, one of no those is the t-shirt. The t-shirt's in yes. there somewhere. <laughs> one of those are definitely t-shirts. So um, we are here not to. Well, I guess we could chit chat. It is probably the best part of the show is just us chit chatting because we're back to be mediocre with our picks as of last week, but. We were super, super hot um, with the picks, and we plan on uh, turning things around this weekend at UFC 261, uh, which is a massive – I want to say it's a massive fight card. Well, any card with three title fights on top is a massive uh, fight card. Other than that, is there really any other fights of uh, that, that are meaningful? Probably not in my estimation. Is there any fight that jumps off this card to you that you're like, well, that's a – that's a meaningful fight. Yeah, I would say Anthony Smith versus Jimmy Crute is meaningful uh, in yeah. that it's probably more meaningful for Jimmy Crute than it is for Anthony Smith. Right. Um, like, he could he could catapult himself into, like, the top, like, seven or eight guys in the UFC rankings, whereas Smith, you know, I don't actually think he stands all that much to gain from the fight, but it, it's a big fight for Crute. Uh, but, yeah, apart from that, you're right, not not a whole lot of ground to be made up for people. There, there's a lot of newcomers that are super exciting and stylistically really fun um, that I think could could start making a name here. But you're right, as far as, like, you know, title shots in the you know next year or two, I mean, like, I think the three title fights that are happening and then Jimmy Crute, should he win here, it, it right. would be meaningful to him. Yeah, that's that's where I was leaning to, half of that fight is meaningful. Anthony Smith, uh, if he wins, not so much, but um, there are no chunky guys. I don't think there's any chunky guys, unfortunately, on this card. Um, there are some fun names to say, which I'll, I'll butcher, which will be fun. So we got that going for us at least. So um, 
I say we just jump right into it. Before we do, though, let me tell you about the good old people over at WinBet. WinBet is bringing you the action of real sports betting with the Win Las Vegas experience. Get in on all your favorite teams, players, and sports games. Generous promos, odds, and parlays are happening right now at WinBet. Get started today, and you'll receive a special offer of up to $500 risk-free sports bet. Terms and conditions apply. Get the details at wynnbet.com and download the app today. And I was checking on there today, and, of course, they have the Phoenix Suns as favorites over Philadelphia, minus one. So get on on that, minus one. That's a steal uh, for the Suns because all they do is win, win, win. All right, um, we're going to win, win, win this weekend. UFC 261, the show is back on the road. Uh, 15,000 fans, full capacity at the Star Veterans Memorial Arena in Jacksonville, Florida. UFC will be handing out masks if anybody wants to wear it, but Dana White's like, says you don't have to wear one if you don't want one because Dana White is the head of the CDC now. Uh, he's in charge of the pandemic and he says the media were, was just overblowing the whole thing. So um, I guess we just need to uh, tell all the dead people that they didn't really die from COVID and it's uh, it's just a big media creation. So anyhow, wear a mask if you go to it. Don't wear a mask. Uh, Dana White doesn't care. Um, and that's in Jacksonville, Florida, of course. So what could go wrong in Florida? Nothing. Um, so that's Saturday, April 24th. Um, we have got early prelims 6 p.m. on ESPN2 and ESPN+. Plus. The main prelim portion of the card is ESPN, ESPN+, Plus 8 o'clock. And then you got to pay per view the main card at 10 o'clock. Um, should we just jump into it, Dan? Is there anything I've, I've missed about this card that we need to talk to leading up? Um, no, no I think... I think you nailed it all with the, the I mean, the live audience is a thing that people are, uh, you know, like split on and, and ultimately, you know, whether you liked the silence and being able to hear uh, Kevin Holland jaw every single moment of every single right. fight uh, is sort of now out the door. Whether you like it or not, you're now going to hear fans, although I am hearing, it, it sounds like they're in Vegas the following weekend, right? And maybe without, I don't know, without fans, with fans, is Vegas open? Um, I think Vegas is still up in the air. I don't think they've opened it right up. Uh, so they're back at the Apex on May the 1st. Um, yeah, I think they have another run in their home arena, which I think they have fans come in. And then uh, UFC 262 May 15th will be in Houston, Texas, or anything goes, uh, the Toyota Center. So, yeah, I don't think Vegas has, has been open for business yet, or I think we'd be seeing a bunch of other fight promotions put on cards at this point. But, yeah, it looks like they're on the apex for the next couple of weeks, and then they're off on the road again. So, so yeah, so this is going to be a, a little shot of seeing a whole bunch of fans, a real lot of fans, and then suddenly probably not seeing them again for a little bit. So so a, kind of an interesting dynamic there, uh, which, yeah, worth talking about, but uh, not as exciting as these fights. No, of course not. Um Let's kick her off with a women's strawweight battle between Na Liang and uh, Ariana Carnelosi. Um, we will start with Liang, who is making her debut in this. She is she's got a cool nickname, which is eluding me. Suppling. What's her cool nickname, Dan? You remember? It's, it's Dragon Girl, right? Dragon Girl, All right? She's the Dragon Girl. There's also like a Mongolian monster murder or something on this card i think right yeah i think the Mo- the coming mongolian up. Let, let me think about it he's not even the fight out of yeah. mongolia i don't think 
that's interesting. That has different connotations to it then. But anyhow, he murders Mongolians, does that mean? That's, that could be problematic. So anyhow, we'll stick with Dragon Girl at this point. She's uh, 13 and 4, 4 knockouts, 7 submissions. As I said, she is making her debut. She's won four straight fights heading into this. Uh, three of them, the last three actually were via uh, some form of uh, finish, submission, and, and or knockout. Uh, or knockout, I guess she doesn't, she doesn't submitting them and knocking them out in the same fight. So submission or knockout. Um, she's three, she's much bigger than Carnelosi. She's three inches taller, five inches of reach, four years younger, plus 168. Most of her, pretty much all of her experience was on what WLF, I think it's called in mm-hmm. China. Is that right? Yeah, and that's uh, gonna that's gonna become a, a talking point over the next three yeah. fights because we exactly. got three Chinese fighters all coming out of WLF, which I, I think too it was right. kind of the league that sort of hooked up with the Performance Institute that opened in China. Okay, so, so I think that's part of the reason why we see a lot of WLF fighters and they're all making their debut at once. Is that like you know it's a little bit more open now. And right. they have that connection with the Performance Institute. So I think that there's like a UFC wink-wink partnership right there. Okay, cool. Uh, as for Carnelosi, she's 12-2, and two, eight knockouts, one submission. Uh, she lost her UFC debut back in September of 2019. Before that, she won 12 straight fights. So she basically she lost her de- pro debut, won 12 straight, and then lost her UFC debut. Uh, she's at minus 190. I think I'm going to go with the uh, – Dragon Girl, because I heard good things about her on a certain podcast this week, the prelim bigger. Yes. Uh, so I think Ashley Top Turtle also I heard good things about her. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I've been singing the praises of Li Miang, or uh, Na Liang. I, I guess you can say it either way, right? Liang Na yeah, or Na Liang. Yeah, it depends a, on whether or not we Americanize it or not. So, yeah, that's what I was going to say. I, I don't – I'm just going with whatever – whoever, whoever the, whatever the marks put in on, uh, on Wikipedia. But, yeah, yeah. It's, I think both proper. Either it's you say it the Asian way or you say it the North American way. Whatever. Yeah, I'm, I'm saying the girl. Way, I'm going with tapology. So tapology has got Na Liang, okay. so I'll go with Na Liang. But okay. I think we call her Na as a as a last name as we call nah. her Carnalosi, Carnalosi. So the thing I like about Na in watching her so far because she she's got a lot of they're, they're highlight clips. So there, there's only so much you can see. WLF doesn't have a good way of, like, you know, showing their fights. They don't have a broadcast deal. They certainly don't have a U.S. broadcast deal. But what I saw of her is she actually has a really good double leg takedown. She's got great transitions. I love the way she moves on the mat. I also like the way she pulls her arms in bottom positions, top positions. She falls off in positions to go for the arm bar. I just really love her attacks. And it's not just an armbar either. It's not like she's a one-trick pony. You know, she's got heel hooks in there. I've seen some, you know, just solid positioning movement where she takes the back and looks for the choke. I think she's really special submission-wise. And you mentioned at the top the difference in size, right? Depending on where you're looking, she's anywhere between 5'5 and 5'8. So I'm not quite sure where she is. But she's she's much taller than Carnalosi, even if she's 5'5, right? Carnalosi, 5'2. She's very stocky. Carnalosi's a Muay Thai fighter. She likes to get in on the inside. She wants to get in on the inside and get close enough to Naliang to work out of the clinch here. And I think ultimately that's bad, right? Like if you have to get closer and are having trouble getting closer to a taller, longer fighter, you make yourself susceptible to takedowns. And with somebody who's so good at submissions here in Naliang, I just think that that favors her. And I think a lot of the reason why the odds are where they are is nobody really knows what to make out of you know, all three of these fighters we're going to talk of out of China, I don't think people know quite what to think of them. But I think Liang is, is actually probably one of the more underrated ones because, 
you know, she's super young. She's only 24 years old. But I think her transitions are fun. I think her transitions are interesting. She, she's had a high level of competition. She's fought two different fighters who've gone on to fight in the UFC. And both uh, Maria Agapova and Lilia Shakarova. Whew, I added extra names for me to say that are tough. Um, but, yeah, like, she's fought high levels of competition. You know, the, the most recent fights, maybe not that high. But, like, she's going out and finishing the people she should. So, I like her here to to sort of control Carnalosi on the ground and, and look for that big submission. All right, there you go. We're giving you a plus money pick to start off things. So that's a nice start. If you can get her for what it was plus one sixty eight when I did the research yesterday. All right, and it seems wait. like it's getting hmm. wider too. Just for oh the record. yeah, like yeah, like I've noticed it, depending on what, what book you're looking at. You know, she's she's started at plus 130, and she's up as high as plus 180 in certain books. So, you know, keep an eye on that line. It could get even wider and make you even more money. But you're only allowed to look at WinBet at this point because they're sponsoring the, the podcast. Ladies of course, and look at WinBet. <laughs> All right, flyweights. Uh, Quiling Aori, Jeffrey Molina, both of them will, will be making their debut this week. Uh, we will... Start with uh, Aori. He's 18 and six, five knockouts, two submissions. He's lost three times via submission, so half of his losses have come via being tapped out. Uh, this is his debut. He's won six straight fights. Uh, he's got an inch of height over Molina. He's at minus 110. Is he a uh, WLF guy also? Yeah, he's also okay. a WLF guy. Yeah, him and, and and Zurong, who we'll talk about in a second as well. Right. Yeah. Okay, uh, Molina, eight and two, three knockouts, four submissions. So that's pretty wild when you see a flyweight with seven out of his eight wins are via finish. You don't see that too often. This will be his debut. He is, uh, he won on the Dana White Contender Series to get into the UFC. Uh, he's won seven straight fights. He's four years younger. Uh, slight underdog here, minus 105. I'm going to go with a dog again in this one. So, uh, so I'm going to go with Jeff Molina as well. So, uh... Here's the thing. I do like Quilang Iori. If, if you look back, he's another guy who I'm going to say fought for WLF, but at the same time has a really high level of competition. He fought Kaikara France as part of his WLF run. He also fought Grigory Popov, uh, who fought uh, uh, Eddie Wineland in the UFC. He's, he's fought a bunch of times in the UFC. So he lost to both of those guys, but a high level of competition nevertheless. The thing I will say about Iori and what I was able to see of him is that he comes out very strong with takedowns. He looks pretty good in the wrestling, and I actually think he could probably give Molina a lot of trouble in the wrestling. But my big concern about him in this fight is I have some questions about his cardio. In the couple of fights I've gotten to see of his, it doesn't look like he's got a ton of stamina, especially for a flyweight. Like, flyweights are supposed to go in there and be able to give you 15, 20 minutes easy. Uh, and it doesn't look like that's the case for Aori. It looks like he gets tired quick. Some of that could be the weight cut might be brutal on him because he is a big dude for the division. It looks like he's got a lot of muscle that he carries around. And I just think Jeff Molina, I mean, he's training out of a camp like Glory MMA who makes adjustments on the fly better than any place in the whole world right now. Um, I can't, can't say enough about James Cross at the moment. And, and I just think Jeff Molina is going to go in there, maybe have some rough spots early on, but I think ultimately – Getting back to his feet and striking, he's going to win two out of three of these rounds and take a decision. And he also was a guest on Top Turtle this week, so that's another reason to pick I'll him up. Right? Always give him a feather in his cap. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Plus, yeah, Glory MMA, you can't go wrong with those guys right now. They are on a roll. Um, move on to lightweights next. Um, we've got Rodrigo Kazula Vargas versus Rong Zhu, or Zhu Rong. Um, Zhu is – actually, let's go to Vargas first. Vargas 11-4. Seven knockouts, 
three submissions, so everything's a finish for him except one. Uh, he's 0-2 in the UFC. His last fight was uh, February of 2020, which was a DQ loss for him. Uh, he is at plus 220 in this fight. As for Zoo, 16-3, 11 knockouts, four submissions. So he's a finisher also. You may want to, if you're gonna bet this one, you may want to bet uh, it to go to a, to be a finish. He's lost three times via submission. That's uh, all of his losses actually via submission. Uh, this will be his debut. He's won 10 straight fights. Four straight via finishes. He's an inch taller, got an inch reach, 15 years younger than Vargas. Um, it's kind of sticking. He was born in the year 2000, which is just ridiculous. Uh, to me, he's at minus uh, 250. Um, I'm not going underdog. I'll, I'll be taking him in this one. Yeah, I, I like Zuron quite a bit, too. What I've been able to see of him. Once again, you know, we're saying they're coming out of this promotion that nobody knows very much about over in China at WLF Wars. And, and like, he he also has a fight against another UFC veteran. One of those three losses came to we, uh, Luigi Buren. Man, I just keep giving myself harder names. I've got you the do. names on the card, but I keep giving myself harder ones. And yet, like, he, so he's got a more high level of competition in there. And, and what you just see out of him is absolute dynamite in his hands. The guy has crazy power. I'm talking crazy power. And so, you know, the fact that he both has really good power and his inability to keep the range. I, I think Zurong is one of those guys who the UFC was like, this dude could be a big star for us at China. Because right, right right now China has got the star in Wei Li Zhang, but they don't necessarily have like a male side to that, right? Like Song right. Dong exists, but like, yeah, I don't know. He's kind of faltered a bit, and I don't think anybody's thinking him or Kanan Song are, are really going to be the like faces of Chinese MMA, but... Zhu Rong is 21 years old, and he has got 20 pro fights, and he is starching, dude. So, yeah, I think this is a great fight for him, and I think they set him up with an opponent that kind of fits for him, right? Like, Kazula Vargas has, has got some skills on the feet, but he's not particularly well-suited for there. You know, you, you might be able to see him grapple a little bit, but I don't think he's as strong as Zhu Rong. So I, I'm going to go with Rong here, and I, I think you're right. I, I think knockout is all over this one. Is Zhu Rong a savage, Dan? Is, is he you, a killer? Is, is he a oh, killer? Who who, who calls savage? people savages? <laughs> uh, Dana White, Joe uh, Rogan, you know all the all the bros. Dana White yeah. says J- Jeremy Jeremy Stevens is a savage, so that's why he couldn't help but push the guy. Stevens. That's why savage, he couldn't. Huh? That's why he couldn't help push the guy all, uh, during all, the uh, during the way All thirteen and fifteen of him is a savage. Yes, huh? He's a savage. Yeah, so just, yeah I think so Wrong is probably. Uh, more of a, uh, I can't even bring myself to use that as like a term. Like, I know it's so, it's very dumb. It's so, it's so uncomfortable. It's very he's broy. A, he's tougher than than Jeremy Stevens, uh, <laughs> and, and has a better trajectory of his career currently. So there yeah, I, I like Zurong here, and I I got him to finish too. All right, awesome. Yes, we're, we're it's not awesome. Uh, I guess it's okay since we actually since we started a green. Like not intentionally because we don't do pre-production on this. Uh, we've actually we actually that hot streak we have we both were pretty much agreeing with each other. So maybe that's the key to things and, here. And last week the only time you didn't agree with me was the right. time you got burnt. Yes, there you go. So we've agreed three in a row. Let's see if we're going to agree here. Uh, Bantamweight is it Dana? I think it's Dana, right? It's Dana Botgarel. Right, Dana Botgarel versus Kevin Natividad, which. It's harder than it looks, really. Not TV It's got the V in there. Is uh, is um, it could just be Nati Dad would be easier, but it's Nati V Dad. Anyhow, um, enough of that. Uh, let's talk about him first. Nati V Dad, nine and two, five knockouts, one submission, 
He's been knocked out twice uh, in his career uh, of note. He got knocked out his last fight, as a matter of fact, his UFC debut. So he's only won the UFC. Before that, he had won five straight. He is four years younger. Uh, grappling stats are in his favor. We're talking the very small sample size here. Um, as for Batgarel, eight and two, half of them via knockout, two of them via submission. So four knockouts, two submissions. Never been finished himself in a fight. He is one and one in the UFC. He lost his debut, then he knocked out his opponent, his last opponent. But that was back in March of last year, 2020. He's won four of his last five. He's an inch taller. He's got striking end. Uh, he's twice as active, more active a striker than Nati Vidad. But we're talking about one fight sample size for Nati Vidad. So take that with a grain of salt. He's at minus 185. Um, I'll be taking chalk again in this one. Yeah, I love Batgarel in this fight for ooh, a lot of reasons. But first and foremost, you know, people see the 8-2 record in the long layoff, and they're like, yeah, he's, you know, he's inexperienced. He's a guy from, you know, he, you know, we we mentioned before that there was the Mongolian murderer. This right, guy's is that actually, this, No, this guy's from Mongolia, though. Uh, Batgarel is from Mongolia. Aori, I guess, is from a, a city in China called Inner Mongolia, China, which okay. I, I don't know how that works. I, I'm very much not up on the political spectrum of, of what's going on in China, um, so I, I'm not going to comment on that. But this guy's actually from Mongolia. You did the research, and, bro. Yeah, I, you I need to do the research like Rose. Do the research, bro. Yeah, I'm not gonna. We're not gonna touch that either. Um, <laughs> so, so with that being said, you know, he, he looks like he's inexperienced because he's coming from a country that we don't think of typically when we think of MMA. And in addition to that. Like is only has only ten professional fights, but he also has a wealth of kickboxing experience and Muay Thai experience. The guy is a beast on the feet, and after watching him get grounded in his debut, I was one of the people writing him off as saying he's probably not UFC worthy. Right? Haile Alatang took him down, held him down, and sort of won kind of a boring decision in that one. He comes out against Guido Canetti and looks like an absolute beast on the feet, and he just so happens to be getting a guy here and Kevin Natividad who's going to oblige him in the striking, and I think it's a massive mistake because Batgarel, I think, is way more polished on the feet, way more slick, and has got more knockout power. I think it's him all day here. He's a beast, but is he a killer? I think he's a savage. <laughs> oh, my God, he's a savage. He's been upgraded to a savage. All right, so... That is that's just the early prelims, and we have agreed on everything. I think we're going to have some some uh, we're going to differ from each other coming up. But uh, before then, actually, I think you're, we have a new sponsor. Actually, can you play the new sponsor um, sound sound effect, please, Dan? Insert the sound effect here. Editing crew. <laughs> man, man, man. I, know, I was I was looking for oh, some you, kind of horn. You, you want the air horns? I'll punch yeah. in the air horns in when we, when we go to post production. <laughs> All right. Um, actually, you can't. You shouldn't listen to that. I don't think you're old enough to listen to the sponsor dance. So maybe you can plug yours uh, while I tell you all about Roman. Look, no one's perfect except for Gumby and me, of course. Even the best baseball players strike out with bases loaded. The best golfers sometimes three putt with the tournament on the line. So if you feel like you come up short in the bedroom times, it's perfectly okay. So if it's so blah blah blah. But is what word I'm looking for. It's not even close to so. But if it's bothering you, there are options. Go to getroman.com slash SGP now. With Roman, you can get free online evaluation and ongoing care for ED, all from the comfort and privacy of your home. A U.S. licensed healthcare professional will work with you to find the best treatment plan. If medication is appropriate, it ships to you free with two-day shipping. Whole process is straightforward and discreet. Get started. Getting started is simple. Just go to getroman.com slash SGP and complete an online visit. Take care of UD without leaving home. Complete an online visit today to connect with the doctor and take care of it. Call to action would be go to getroman.com slash SGP now to get $15 off your first month. 
Look, this is a straightforward way to take care of your ED. Get roman.com slash SGP. Get started now and save $15 on your first month of treatment. Now I'm going to have to have a lot of things to explain to Dan after this podcast uh, goes off the air (laughs) (sighs) about life and stuff, but uh, I'm not looking forward to that. But all right, let's move on with the uh, prelims, the regular prelims on ESPN starting 8 o'clock. Don't you dare miss it. Featherweights, Patrick Sabatini, you can call him Pat if you like, uh, versus Tristan Connolly, friend of Top Turtle. He was also on this week, and he's also a Canadian, uh, BC, I believe. Yeah, he's, he's um, from Van- he trains out of Vancouver, but he's originally from like a smaller town in, in British Columbia. But you don't know anything about Canadian politics or geography either, right? I know that Vancouver is over near <laughs> like Washington State in the U.S. It is. Uh, because yep. I think when I was uh, much younger, I wanted to see a Vancouver Grizzlies game. Uh, yep. I thought their uniforms were sweet, so I like – and this this will date me a little bit. I map quested how long that would take me to get to uh, by car because I assumed Canada mm-hmm. just above the border in Massachusetts. Because right, if I want to go see a Toronto Toronto Raptors game, it's it's like I don't know six hours. It's 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 a haul, but you know yeah. I'm a stupid kid at that age, and it was like. <laughs> It's going to t- take you 36 hours to drive there. <laughs> yeah, it would. Yeah, and that's straight also, Dan. No uh, no pee breaks for little little Danny there. So, yes, he's actually from Langley, B.C., which uh, I don't know much about. I haven't been, haven't been out west uh, in the in Canada, so I can't really tell you too much about um, about those, those places. But, yes, uh, it is lovely out there from what I hear. So let's break down the fight. Enough geography. Um, so Connolly, 14-6, four knockouts, nine submissions. He's 1-0 in the UFC, but that fight was back in September 2019. Um, he had some kind of serious injury, which I just heard about on the podcast today, and I already forgot what Car he accident. Dan. Car accident, Car accident, right. he had what, to have some surgeries on, I believe, his back, if I'm remembering correctly. Okay, right. Uh, so he is one. He has won five straight. He's two inches taller than Sabatini. He's at plus 180. Uh, Sabatini's 13-3, two knockouts, nine submissions. This will be his debut. He's won two straight fights. He's won five of his last six. He's got two inches of reach on Connolly, five years younger, minus 230. Uh, I don't like a, the line that high, but I'm going Sabatini. I, I got, I'm got i going against a guy who's been out that long, plus due to very serious uh, injuries. And I think you're going to go Connolly, so there we go. We're going to have you something different. You know I'm going to go Connolly, and uh, I'm going to rag all over you. Already. I'm going to rag all over you when you mess up the Canadian pick again because, hey, listen, there are a lot of reasons to like Connolly here. First and foremost for me is the guy went up to 170 pounds, 170, 170 pounds, and fought Michelle Pereira, who is one of the biggest welterweights on the freaking planet. The dude is enormous. He would look well-suited for light heavyweight if he had fought there. And not only did he handle... Michelle Pereira, but he dominated him by wrestling him and ragdolling him for the large portion of two rounds. So, you know, already there's a lot that can be said for his technical wrestling and his physical strength. Now we see him dropping down not one weight class back to lightweight, two weight classes to featherweight. He says he feels great having done it. And let me tell you something. Sabatini is a guy who gets it done with his top game and his submissions and I just don't see him being able to do that against Tristan Connolly. Tristan Connolly is a guy who is very strong wrestling, is very physically strong. And you're right. The reason why he's a plus money favorite and he's almost at plus 200 is because of that layoff. But I think we're underestimating just how well trained he is in that layoff, just how ready he is in that layoff, and just how strong and dominant that wrestling is in that despite the layoff. 
So yeah, I'm I'm all over Tristan Connolly here. I think he controls Pat Sabatini and probably, you know, I, I don't want to I don't want to say this in the wrong way, but probably not the most exciting fight. All right, fine. Be wrong. See if I care. Be wrong. Um, that was a good breakdown, though. Um, but all that happened last decade, Dan. Come on, give me time, bro. <laughs> That was 2019. Um, let's go to the middleweights. Uh, Carl Robertson, Brendan Allen. Um, Robertson, 9-3, two knockouts, four submissions. All of his losses have come via submission. I think I found a pattern here. Uh, he's 4-3 yeah, in the he UFC. Did. <laughs> <laughs> four 4-3 in the UFC. Also, all his losses also have come in the UFC. He lost his last fight. Uh, he won on Dana White's Contender Series. He also missed weight his last fight, as of note. Uh, he's at plus 125. Brendan Allen, 15-4, five knockouts, eight submissions. Uh, ding, 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 submission. 3-1 uh, in the UFC. He got TKO'd his last fight. He also was 1-0 in the Contender Series. He's got an inch height, inch reach, five years youth on his side. He's a more active striker. He's got grappling stats in his favor. He's minus 155. What is there not to like about this pick? Take him. Take him via submission. Yeah, I, I agree with you on, on both of those fronts. Take him and take him via submission. When, when you look at those lines, you, you're like, yeah, Roberson only loses by sub. Brendan Allen uh, mostly wins by sub, uh, including a win over Kevin Holland if you go way back. So, you know, like I, I love Brendan Allen in this fight. I, I think it's a really bad matchup for Carl Roberson. The one thing I will say is Carl Roberson, when, when you look at those losses, they are to the cream of the crop as far as – and that's probably the only pause you get here, right? Like, they're, they're to Marvin Vittori, Glover Teixeira, and, yeah, maybe not Cesar Ferreira being cream of the crop. But those last two are – I just think Brendan Allen has got enough here that he gets in on at least one takedown, at least one or two times on top. And, really, I think that's enough. I think he's going to finish him with those times. So, yeah, I like Brendan Allen here. If you want to find the subprop, find the subprop because I think it's probably worth it too. There you go. We're giving you props early, too. Um, Walter Waits, Dwight Grant, Stefan Sekulik. Uh, Sekulik will be returning first fight uh, since his debut, which he lost in the UFC back in September of 2018. His was suspensions, I think. USADA. USADA. <laughs> so who knows what he's going to look like now. 12-3, uh, and three, three knockouts, six submissions. Uh, like I said, Ohm on the UFC. He's only won two of his past four fights, two and two. Eight years younger than Grant, plus 185. Grant, 10-3 and three with seven knockouts, 2-2 two and two in the UFC. He got knocked out his last fight. He was also 1-0 in the Contender Series, 1-0 in Bellator. He is an inch taller, has an inch of reach. He has striking and uh, the active striking stats in his favor, plus the grappling stats in his favor. Minus 240. Uh, I think that's another slam dunk for Grant, another slam dunk pick here. I disagree with you wholeheartedly All right. on that one. Yeah, I'm going to go. Dan is going with, for the dogs. I'm going to go with another dog here. Yeah, and I, they're big ones so far, right? Like Connolly, right. Sekulik, Lin Young, you're getting plus 160 up on all of them. Right. The reason I like Sekulik on this one is because, it, look, his first loss is a tough one. It's to Ramazan Amiev, and, yeah, he had the layoff afterwards, the USADA suspension. We have no idea what he looks like after that. But what we do know is that the guy has got a really great grappling background. The guy comes from a style that is, I think, difficult here for Dwight Grant. Because if you watch Dwight Grant's fight with Daniel Rodriguez, yeah, he stunned Daniel Rodriguez. But he stunned Daniel Rodriguez with these wild winging shots that seem to come from, like, a really telegraphed place, right? He, he is not the most fundamental striker. He's wild, and he loves to weigh in like that. 
And you take that and you put that against a guy who's really solid at grappling and who controls the fight well. He's got a great single leg that he uses. He runs the pipe well. He finishes on top. And when he's done on top, he stays there. He's really great at holding people down. And for me, Dwight Grant, long, but doesn't use that length really well because of those wide telegraph shots. So I think probably the problem here is if he gets wild enough, the counter to the takedown here is here for Sekulik, and I think that is going to be enough in this fight for him to control and win the fight that way. So, yeah, despite the long layup, I like Sekulik in this one. So Saturday is either going to be very profitable for Dan or he's going to get a lot of abuse from me on Twitter. So we'll see. Hopefully it's the latter. Um, Walter Waits will be headlining the prelims on Saturday. Alex Cowboy Olivier versus Rude Boy Randy Brown. Um, I think Alex Oliveira's nickname should be the Sean Camp of MMA, uh, not because not because he has hops, but he has he has ten kids from a lot of different ladies. So, he has ten uh, kids. Yes, I, that's what you said. I told you about I think this, we, uh, what, a couple months that, ago. And that's that's what you said actually, that doesn't actually ring a bell. He was, was he supposed to? Oh no, he was supposed to fight Ramazan Kuramagomedov back then. Uh, uh, yeah, another name, another name for you, Ramazan. <laughs> I, I nailed um, that one though, Kuramagomedov. Exactly. Uh, I think because I um, practiced it third times to tell you why I thought Cowboy Oliveira was going to beat him. <laughs> he also no, these two were actually going to fight a couple months ago too. Uh, February, the Rosenstrike Ga- uh, Cyril Gain um, car they were supposed to be uh, Oliveira and Brown were on that one too. So I think I may have been when I told you about the ten kids. Um, also, so he, many, he got a, so many kids. Uh, he I also got attacked, That's a ton of kids. <laughs> he also he also got attacked by uh, hand grenades on New Year's Eve a few years oh, ago. Oh, you did too, you so. did you did share yes, this he, with me. He's yeah. got quite a back. So you should have him on your podcast. That would be money. Yeah. Uh, Just tell me about hand, gr- hand grenades and, and ten kids. That's, all your that's kids. Enough time. Exactly. So obviously something didn't, didn't get blown off because um, uh, unless all his kids are older. Uh, anyhow, fight breakdown. Um, the Cowboy, the Brazilian Cowboys, 22-9-1-2 with 12 knockouts and 5 submissions. He has been subbed 5 times, so more than half of his losses have come via submission. He's 11-7-0-1 in the UFC. He's only won 2 of his last 6 fights. He's 2-4. Uh, he got subbed in his last fight. He's plus 128. Uh, rude Boy, Randy Brown, 12-4 with 6 knockouts and 4 submissions. So he is a finisher. He is 6-4 in the UFC. He got knocked out his last fight. Uh, before that, he had won two straight. He's four inches taller. He's got two inches of reach. Two years younger. Grappling stats in his favor. He's also a more active striker of the two. He's at minus 160. Um, uh, I'll, I'll let you pick first. I, I'm always picking first tonight. Who do you I, want? Who I'm going to I'm going to take Randy Brown in this one. In me too. You, you know, you, you mentioned the grappling stats. I, I think that's a big reason why. Um, looking at Cowboy Oliveira. He he seems like the kind of guy who wants to use more of his grappling, but when he has it, it hasn't wound up very well. Like, he got swept a bunch by Nicholas Dalby when he tried to grapple. Uh, he got counter-wrestled by, by Max Griffin, and Max Griffin wound up on top. He got submitted by Shavkat Rachmanov, which ultimately I don't think is that bad of a loss because I, I'm actually very high on Shavkat Rachmanov. Uh, another wild name that I just threw in there that I know how to say. Um, but... But in that way, I think Randy Brown is a bad matchup for him. Randy Brown is a guy who took down Warley Alves, who took down Randy Brown. Or uh, not Randy Brown, he's Randy Brown. He took down Vicente Luque. Uh, you know, he took down Mickey Gall and Nico Price. And, like, the, the guy's got pretty good offensive wrestling. And ultimately, 
I think both guys make kind of stupid choices in a lot of situations, right? Like, that's how Randy Brown got knocked out by Vicente Luque. I mean, to an extent, that's how he got knocked out by Nico Price, right? Like, he just put his head in a weird spot and got hammer-fisted until he was out. In uh, Alex Oliveira, you know, like, sloppy takedowns getting subbed, you know, like, going into places he shouldn't go. I think that this is a tough fight to call because of those reasons where I don't think either guy fights particularly smart, but I do think Randy Brown's wrestling gets it done enough for him here as long as he avoids the big blow from Cowboy. Dumb guy fights are always fun, though. Dumb so guy fights we, are the best. They're only, if, if we, they're only <laughs> topped by chunky guy fights. Chunky dumb guy fights are, are, <laughs> would be the best then, but yes. I, uh, I saw we did have a, we do have a chunky uh, guy main event uh, just announced. The chunky guy in a a thick guy uh, in Rosenstrike and uh, Gustav oh, Sakai Augusto was just Sakai. announced. Augusto yeah, Sakai is the best kind of chunky guy. Exactly. <laughs> so we can't wait, but let's let's uh, stay on the path here. UFC 261. That's what we're talking about. No chunky guys. Just um, according to Rose, now I'm a Eunice, a bunch of red uh, menaces that need to be uh, beaten. So, um, all right, we're going to go to the main card. But first, I like to do that ad free for you. Lovely listeners. So let's tell you about our last two sponsors quickly first. Motherland would be better than dot Vegas. Better than dot Vegas is like YouTube, but for what hashtag the gens only care about, which is sports betting. We're giving out free daily video picks over on our better than Vegas profile page. Better than Vegas is always running a ton of free contests as well. They got a bunch of free picks and handicappers to check out. So make sure you subscribe to our profile so you don't miss a pick. Sportsgamblingpodcast.com slash BTV. That's sportsgamblingpodcast.com slash BTV. Uh, I will have a video up there every week. There's UFC. I have a video up there early on Saturday, uh, early uh, morning, uh, noon-ish time on the East Coast. And you can check out Top Turtle, too, while you're there. Dan uh, usually has some winning picks there as well. Or he tries to make him winning, at least, as we all do. Um, one last month, Riffer. The Sports Academy Pocket is now on Riffer. Riffer is your home to mini episodes and free picks from the SGPN crew. If you don't have time to listen to an entire episode, Riffer is the perfect quick fix. Make sure to subscribe to the SGPN page by going to sportsgamblingpodcast.com slash Riffer. That's sportsgamblingpodcast.com slash Riffer. But always find the time to listen to our whole podcast because you never know what gem of wisdom or dad joke may pop up at any at any point in the podcast. So, All right, main card, pay-per-view, 10 p.m. Eastern. Uh, light heavyweights, Anthony Lionheart Smith versus Jimmy Crute. I think Jimmy Crute probably has a nickname too. The What's brute. his nickname? The Brute, of course. Jimmy, Jimmy the, the Brute. brute. <laughs> All right, let's tell you about um, Lionheart first. Anthony Smith, 34 and 16. So he's, this will be fight 51 for him as a bro. 18 knockouts, 13 submissions. He's been knocked out himself nine times. That's something of note. Um, nine and six in the UFC. He won his last fight after I had him written off. He beat Devin Clark via submission. I think we both do. We both have that one wrong. I, I definitely picked Devin Clark. Uh, yeah. Both, both because I liked him stylistically, and he was a guest that week. <laughs> See, Dan just admitted it right there, folks. He is biased. Um, so Smith, uh, that was his only win of his past three fights. So he's one and two. He's won two of his past five. Before the UFC, he was 2-0 in Bellator. He was also 2-2 in Strikeforce. He's definitely the epitome of a journeyman, but he's got himself, he got himself into a title a title shot, and he got himself into the upper echelon of the UFC, so kudos to him for that. Uh, he's two inches taller. He's got two inches reach, plus 160. As for the Brutes, Crute, 12-1, five knockouts, four submissions. He's 4-1 in the UFC. He won on Dana White Contender Series also. He's won two straight fights, both via finish. He's eight years younger. He's got striking stats and the active striking stats in his favor, grappling in his favor, minus 200, 
and he's also got me in his quarter. I will be picking him. Yeah, I'm going to go with Jimmy Crute, too. Uh, you know, I think a lot of people wrote off Jimmy Crute after that loss to Misha Serkinov, but for me, that loss to Misha Serkinov was just kind of like that prospect loss he had to get out of the way. Um, you know, he, he learned a little bit about, like, who you can grapple with and who you can't grapple with and what positions you can give up uh, against certain guys, right? Like, against uh, uh, Misha Serkinov, you can't give up those, like, really good positions because uh, off capitalizes on him, and it doesn't take long. Um, so, you know, he's a guy who has a submission win over Paul Craig. He has a knockout win over Sam Elvey. Like, and, and not that Sam Elvey's winning all the time, but not a lot of people knocking him silly. You know, he no. crushed Bukowskis. He beat the hell out of Michael Olszewski. Like, I mean, like, I just could not be higher on a guy than I am on Jimmy Crew. And I think ultimately, too, the fact that he is – so good in the grappling department just makes this a really tough fight for Anthony Smith, who, you know, has kind of made his living off of, you know, when he first came up for that title shot, it was through blitzing guys and using his hands. But the the only real place we've seen him be successful lately is his offensive grappling, right? Like he offensively grappled uh, against Devin Clark and won there. Obviously it didn't work that way against Glover Teixeira, but Glover Teixeira is fighting for the title. So, I just see like a very similar path to victory here for for Jimmy Crew as Glover Teixeira took. He, you know the blueprints there. I think he's gonna maybe not punch the teeth out of Anthony Smith's mouth, but I think we're gonna see something pretty similar. There you go. All right, um, middleweights. Uh, this is actually a rematch. Uh, they fought 11 years ago in Ring of Combat. Um, Chris Chris Weidman won via TKO. Uh, that was it. Would be Uriah Hall and Chris Weidman. Um, Chris Weidman, the former middleweight champion. Um, and I also, I heard today he is actually, he plans on winning the belt again, everybody. That's not happening. Um, so yeah, no, <laughs> he's going to, he's, he's going to. So let's break down him first. Uh, he's the favorite in this one too, Dan. So here we go. He's 15 and five, six knockouts, four submissions. He's been knocked out five times. Um, five of those knockouts have been in his last seven fights. So, um, all of his losses have come in the past seven fights, and they all have come via knockout. So if that's not a red flag, I don't know what is. Um, 11 and 5 in the UFC. When he was middleweight champ, he successfully defended the title three times. He's switched taller than Hall. He's got grappling stats in his favor. He's at minus 120 for some reason. I'm tipping my hand here. Uh, Hall, um, who is a head case, but I think I may pick him in regardless. 16 and 9, 12 knockouts, one submission. He's also been knocked out himself four times, um, one of those times by Wyman. Uh, 9-7 in the UFC. He was 1-0 in Bellator before that. He was 4-0 in the tough Ultimate Fighter house. Uh, he's won three straight fights. He's got an inch of reach, striking in, active striking stats in his favor, minus 105. Like I said, he doesn't always have the mental game for this. I don't think he really has a mental makeup for the sport. doesn't really have the killer instinct, but I think he's going to starch Wyman here, uh, take him via knockout and get even better than 105, minus 105. So I'm going to first of all say I am higher on his mental state than I've ever been because I think since he started working with Save Saad, he's yep. looked way better in that way. Like like the, the Fortis Uriah, MMA. Yeah, I'm, I'm a huge Fortis MMA mark. But, like, look, what he looked like against Anderson Silva looked really good. Um, but ultimately, I'm going with Chris Weidman in this one. Oh, me, no. Yeah, man. let me tell you why I'm picking Chris Weidman in this one. Wrestling. Antonio Carlos Jr., Took that man down three times and controlled him for over ten minutes. And, and you know, like you can say what you want about Uriah Hall striking. It is very good. 
But, like, he has a large deficit when it comes to grappling. And it's not just a deficit when it comes to grappling, but it's a deficit when it comes to getting up against grappling, too. You know what I mean? Like, it's not like he gets taken down and he pops right back up or he's got really good skills at getting right back up. He's awful at it. Right, like, and I don't mean to be mean about it, but like, he is really not good. Three takedowns scored Antonio Carlos Jr. Ten minutes of ground time. Somehow Uriah Hall wins that fight, but being on the ground and on his back for ten minutes. But ultimately, I, I mean, I can't imagine that the Chris Weidman who just went out there and did that to to Omari Akhmedov, who is a good wrestler in his own right, can't do it to Uriah Hall. You know what I mean? Like, Uriah Hall is a much worse wrestler than Omari Akhmedov. I just see Chris Weidman turning this into one of the most boring fights you've ever seen and winning this 30-27. Chris Weidman's getting knocked out before any of that happens, but okay. Um, no, the wrestling does give me pause for sure, uh, but I I vow to never pick Chris Weidman uh, since I think he should be retired, so I will. I shall not pick him. So um, we, we will see who's right. Uh, this makes it more fun this way anyway. All right, this is uh, the reason why we all came here. Three title fights top of this card we'll start with the women's flyweight uh, valentina shevchenko will be defending her title against jessica andrage the former strawweight champion who also fought at bantamweight so she has been all over the map uh in regards to weight classes um andrage 21 and 8 8 knockouts 7 submissions she's 12 and 6 in the ufc she's on a big one fight winning streak which got, shows you how deep this flyweight division is uh, one fight win streak gets her in the title contention um she's only won one of her last Three fights. Um, when she was strawweight champ, she lost it immediately to uh, the woman who will be fighting next. Um, she's three years younger than Shevchenko. She's twice as twice more active on the feet, uh, striking than Shevchenko is. But everyone is more active than Shevchenko. Uh, she's also, also has the grappling stats in her favor. She's at plus three twenty, so that's in your favor if you want her. Of uh, Shevchenko, who is twenty and three. Uh, six knockouts, seven submissions, nine and two in the UFC, but both of those losses have come to Amanda Nunes, and uh, one of the last one was a split decision. So she's come closer than anyone recently in beating her. Alice, she's already defended this uh, title four times. Flyweight title, she's won six straight fights. She's four inches taller, four inches of reach. Striking stats in her favor, minus 450. Um, I'll be taking the champ in this one. So I will say this. Uh... The number. The is number is so such an issue to me here. Um, and, and like, you're you're right. Valentina Shevchenko is the pick if you're looking to to score a winner here, right? Like Valentina Shevchenko. I mean, there's so many boxes to check. She's a better striker. She's a better technical striker. She's got better fight IQ. She's smarter when she comes to uh, how she approaches each of those aspects of the game, not just how she approaches the game as a whole. But I think if I had, and this is how we're making these picks, I think if I have $100 and I'm going to put it on this fight, winning 28 bucks or whatever I'm going to win on Valentina Shevchenko's number is not enough to tempt me from the 400 I would walk away with should Jessica Andrade come out on top. Um, so I think from a from just a, the structure we're playing in this, this podcast, if you have $100, who are you putting it on? Put that $100 on Jessica Andrade. And, and the reason I'm going to say that is, Shevchenko showed holes in her takedown defense last time out. Uh, Jennifer Maya took her down, controlled her for a whole round, and in my opinion, won a round against her. I like to think Andrade can do that two and a half or three times, not to mention she's got the knockout power to put her out, too. So, you know, I'll take both of those at plus 325. I think it's worth a play, 
Uh, you know, like whether or not you're – if you're a high-volume better, for the love of God, don't play Jessica Andrade for a big number. But if you're, like, just looking to sprinkle a little bit in and hit something big, and especially if you've got $100 that you're putting on this fight, Jessica Andrade is a way better play. So Andrade is your pick. I'm going to take Andrade. Yep, I'm going to be right. – I'm going to go out on a limb – even if it hurts my overall number, I got a feeling it's going to help the bankroll number. All right. This is the week that I pull back ahead of Dan. I can just feel it. I, I can just feel it. Uh, women's strawweight, Zhang Weili or Weili Zhang versus Rose Namajunas. Um, both of them strawweight champs at one point in time. Uh, we'll go with uh, Joe McCarthy's favorite fighter, Rose Namajunas, first. Um, nine and four with one knockout, five submissions. Uh, she's 7-3 in the UFC. She won her last fight after losing her title. She's won four of her last five. When she was champ, she successfully defended it one time against Joanna Champion. Uh, before all this, she was 3-0 and on the Ultimate Fighter, and she was 2-1 and in Invicta. She's an inch taller than the champ, uh, two inches of reach, three years younger, grappling stats in her favor, plus 165. And she's here to uh, save us from this Chinese threat. Um, Zhang, 21-1. and Ten knockouts, seven submissions, never been finished in a fight. 5-0-0 in the UFC. She's already uh, successfully defended her title against Joanna Champion, the Holly Holm of the division. who just keeps getting title. Keeps getting title shots, regardless of whether she... Uh, she's she asking for another title. one, too. And she is, and she'll <laughs> probably get it. She will probably get it. So Zhang has won 21 straight fights. So she lost her debut, and she has not looked back since then. Um, she hasn't fought since March of last year. She's more active striker of the two. Minus 192 is the wacky number. I don't know why it's 192, but it is. Um, I'll go. I'm going chalk again. I'm taking all the champs in, in this one. And um, well, you tipped your hand on the main event, yeah, then, huh? <laughs> yeah, I am. And I, yeah, I know that that one was a shocker. But I'm gonna guess Dan's going with Thug Rose in this. I'm going with Thug Rose on this one. And, and here's the thing. So Wei Li Zhang is. Uh, you're right. A more powerful puncher. Uh, I think part of the reason why she beat Ioana Janjacek was she met an opponent who was willing to go punch for punch for her, right? Like, Ioana Janjacek, not afraid to get hit to, to, to deliver one. But ultimately, Wei Li Zhang hits harder. It kind of felt a lot like uh, Dustin Poirier beating Max Holloway. They were willing to trade. Dustin Poirier hits way harder than Max Holloway. The damage was more clear. The, the effects of the strikes was more clear. And that's really why Wei Li Zhang beat Yoani on Jacek. And I just think she's running into a st- tough stylistic matchup here in Rose. Because Rose, the thing about her is she won't take one to get one. That's part of why she beat Yoani on Jacek all those times. And I say all those times. Both of those times. So, like, she, she does a really good job of controlling distance. Her key kicks are really good. And should this get in a clinch, I actually really love her submission game. I, I actually think... You know, we haven't seen much of Wei Li Zhang in the ground. We don't know what she looks like. But I do know that Rose Nama Yunus is a wizard when it comes to the submission game. And I know that I'm going to draw on a really old fight at this point. I know that this is a very old fight to, to be drawing, you know, resources and, and data from. But if you look back to Wei Li Zhang's fight with Danielle Taylor, Danielle Taylor no longer with the UFC, but I actually think she's far better than people give her credit for she took a round off of her based on that same kind of style where she gets in and out. And Daniel Taylor is both like 10 inches shorter than Rose Nama Yunus and far worse at dealing with distance than Rose Nama Yunus. But she brought that same style and it gave Whaley trouble. Could Whaley be different right now? 
for sure. But I think Rosnami Yunus is a master of distance, is really good at, at building up the power in those strikes. You know, like the, the – not power from a single shot, but power from multiple shots. And I just think she does enough damage here to Wei Li Zhang early on and stays safe later on that she wins this in a decision. Yeah, it should be the closest fight of the three title fights. I For I sure. Yeah, expect. yeah. This is, this is yeah. definitely the closest of the three. And there's a good chance that all three of them go via the decision route, which means it's gonna, the event's going to end at like 6 in the morning or something <laughs> like that. It's going to be a long event. This is an event you're going to want to wish you lived on the West Coast. Exactly, yes. All right, uh, main event time. Um, another one we probably think is going to go to the decision. It is a rematch that none of us uh, wanted to see, and we're going to get it. Um, Kamaru Usman versus Jorge Masvidal 2. Uh, Masvidal, uh, another journeyman, basically, just like uh, Anthony Smith earlier uh, we spoke of. Um, he scrapped his way up to the top of the sport, though. Um, 35-14 as a pro. Six, so this will be fight 50 for him uh, as a pro, by my math. 16 knockouts, two submissions. He's 12-7 and seven in the UFC. He lost his last fight, which was the title fight to Usman last summer. Before all this, he was 5-1 and one in Strikeforce and 2-1 and one in Bellator. He is at plus 310. Uh, despite having a full training camp, he's plus 310. Um, Usman, he took last fight on short notice, in case y'all don't know that. Um, Usman, 18-1. He's one submission. 13-0 in the UFC. Uh, he successfully defended his title three times. He's won 17 straight fights. He's an inch taller, two inches reach, three years younger. Striking stats and active striking stats in his favor. Grappling stats might not be in his favor, but he is by far the superior wrestler of the two. Minus 425, uh, Usman is going to overpower Masvidal, take him down whenever he wants, probably grind out another boring win via decision is my uh, prediction here. here. Here's the other thing I will say, too, about this fight that that I think is maybe a nuance to that part where you just mentioned, you know, the, the grappling stats are technically in Masvidal's favor. Some of that is because Masvidal is not bad at stopping takedowns. I, I actually think he's probably underrated in that department. What I think he's awful at is stopping takedown attempts. Is that anybody can get close to him anytime they want. Anybody can put him up against the cage. Now, not everybody can take him down, but anybody can control him. And anybody can keep him against the cage. And I think that's where he loses this fight to, to Usman. Is that I think Usman, whether he can get him down or not for any sustained amount of time, he's going to pin him against the cage. He's going to beat the hell out of him. And I think ultimately that's what ends this fight. I will say also, too, if you are thinking about betting on this fight, plus 425, not even the slightest bit interesting to me um, as somebody who doesn't like big numbers like that. I will say this. I know you said boring decision. Usman by finish. Well, mm -hmm. with, without looking, you know, and I'm, I'm going to put you on the spot here. We're going to roll here. Usman wins by stoppage. How would you line that? What would you give a percentage, or what what number would you give Usman wins by stoppage? Probably going to be plus money. Well, is it going to be plus money? though? No, he's minus 425. I wanted to say, like, plus 300, but it's going to be a lot closer to even money. It's Probably right around plus 300. You oh, nailed really? it. Yeah, oh, go with your right. gut. Yeah, it's right around plus 300 right now. And so... For it to be that that's wildly wild. up there, that's a great prop. Because, like, it's not like, you know, Usman has kind of got this this moniker as not being a guy who can finish people. 
The dude's like one of the only people ever to finish Colby Covington. The guy's been finished twice and only once ever with strikes, right? He went out there and finished Gilbert Burns, which isn't an easy thing to do. Like, yeah, he's gotten this moniker as somebody who doesn't finish. He has the ability to finish, and he has the ability to finish fairly well, I would say. And it's also not like Jorge Masvidal is going to be in a bunch of, like, very nice spots here. And it's also like... Not Corey Mosbidal has never been controlled on the ground and beaten up. And yes, he is a hard guy to finish. But hey, at, at almost plus 300 at this point in time, I definitely think it's worth a dabble. And, you know, if you're looking for the straight up winner here, it's Usman and it's Usman and it's not even close. Right. Yeah, Usman's won two of his last three via TKO. So that is something to note for sure. But um, Masvidal has only been stopped three times in what this will be fight. 50 coming up. So he is very like dance, very hard to, to finish. So that is a prop bet though, uh, worth, um, worth thinking about. We also mentioned Brendan Allen. The submission was a decent prop. I liked, what did I, I like one of them going to, I like Shevchenko and Drodge probably going to decision. Um, do you have any others that Allen by sub by the way, right now, yeah. you can get him right around plus 190, which nice. to me is, is absurd. So yeah, I like that one. Um, I also like it, you know, if you're looking to, to get a little crazy because she's already an underdog, Nali Ang by submission is it, kind of a fun result because she's already, like I said, a plus 180 or 170, depending on what book you're getting her at. By submission, she's plus 445, and she's coming off the two straight armbar finishes. Carnalosi, a Muay Thai fighter. I, I actually kind of think that one's sort of fun. There you go. Um, now it is time for our locks. Now, I got the uh, weight of the world off my shoulders now because I actually lost on uh, my lock um, last week for the first time. So uh, I can uh, I feel I can pick easy now. I have first pick this week, I think. Is that right? I believe you have first pick, yeah. All right. Brendan Allen is the lock, minus 155. Uh, Dan just talked about him. If you want him to be a submission, even better. But yeah. he's my lock against that, uh, Carl Roberson. I think that's an easy one. That was going to be my first pick. So I'll go with my second pick, which is Jimmy Crew over uh, Anthony Smith. Um, you know, you're getting him right around negative 200. I, I think, you know, he's just going to control this fight. I think he's going to control it quite well. And he's gotten that prospect loss out of the way. I, I think he rolls easy here. There we go. Um, anything we didn't cover, you think, from this event, Dan? You think we nailed it? I, I think we nailed it, yeah. Uh, I, I think the the whole dynamic of this uh, fight card being live is going to be an interesting one. But, uh, yeah, I, I think ultimately the title fights uh, offer a weird level of intrigue uh, on a card that yeah. doesn't have a whole lot of, uh, like you said, meaningful fights as far as title pictures go. Yeah, I'm just – the length of time this card's going to take, though, is if you're someone <laughs> if you're someone who covers the sport like we do and you try to watch every fight, it's – what, we got 13 fights and the last three are going to probably all go five rounds. This is going to be – now, I'm going to have to find one of my minions to cover it on the site because I don't want to <laughs> watch all this while this live. Yeah, it's going to be uh, it's going to be a long night, but hopefully it's – hopefully we're surprised and it's going to be interesting, so – no matter what happens, we will be back at you on probably late Sunday night. You should get it in your dirty ear holes. Um, until then, make sure you follow us on Twitter. Hopefully, we've actually differed on quite a few picks, so we'll probably be active on Twitter, um, trying to embarrass one another. That would be Jeff Fox Writer and Gumby Vreeland. You can guess whose is whose, I think, by uh, by the handles there. And make sure you read all our stuff. Um, I will have my UFC columns on Sports Gambling Podcast coming out on Thursday and Friday. 
Thursday will be the betting guide. Friday will be the DraftKings daily fantasy sport type thingamajigger. Uh, so check that out and check out all our uh, stuff on MMA-Manifesto and make sure you you uh, play our pick'em contest. And like I said at the starting, subscribe to our feed. Make us uh, – we're already charting in what – we charted in Canada, U.S., Great Britain. I want to chart in Mongolia. Since there's a, Mon- a Mongolian fighter this week, I want to chart in Mongolia. So um, if you're in Mongolia, make sure you subscribe to our new feed. If you're anywhere else in the world, like Ch- if you're in Chile, make sure you subscribe to the new feed also. Regard- uh, Nepal, anywhere in the world, um, make sure you subscribe to it. Um, and until then, um, I think I can handle this week, Dan. I am Jeff Fox. He is Dan Gumby Vreeland. I can't remember what you say after that. We'll see you next week. We'll see you next week, boring. We'll see you next week. We'll see you on Sunday. Bye.